Hi, and welcome to Religion and Story. Today is January 1st, 2016. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss anything and everything, but always from a Christian perspective. This is our first podcast in what will hopefully be a long series. So we will start off with introductions. Let's begin with you, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, my name is Stephen Crouch from Austin, Texas. I work in a corporate finance world uh, with uh, dealing with auto dealerships and uh, been a Christian since 1995. I'm the uh, oldest of the uh, Crouch brothers and uh, the youngest uh, sitting across from me is uh, Daniel. You can tell us about yourself. Hey, I'm Daniel Crouch. I live in Little Rock now. I just graduated from Harding University. I'll be starting a job in software development in January. And now, the middle brother. And I'm Michael Crouch. I'm the middle uh, brother, and I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where I worship at the Mount Comfort of Christ congregation, and I work in education research. Uh, Today, our topic is discussing the latest Pew Research Forum poll on church attendance in America. Daniel is going to lead us through some of the major facts before we begin our discussion. Yeah, uh, well, first off, I just want to say if you want to look at this recent study, it's really interesting. You can find it on pewforum.org. You can probably find it really easily by Googling Pew Research and America's Changing Religious Landscape. And you should be able to find it in that way. Uh, there's a lot of interesting findings that came out. It's a very extensive study of religions, uh, or religion across America. But uh, we're going to start with just Christianity and the changing religious landscape as a whole. And I'll pose that to my two brothers and see what their thoughts are. The first thing, the most significant finding of this survey, was that the religiously unaffiliated in America have grown dramatically, up to around 23% of the population. Uh, the religious unaffiliated, if you're unaware, is the demographic including atheists and agnostics, as well as people who are, quote, nothing in particular. Uh, On the other hand, Christianity has lessened in the last seven years by the same percentage that the unaffiliated have grown, and they are now sitting at about 70% of the population. These uh, These unaffiliated, while having significantly less marriages, are also generally wealthier and more educated than Christians. Within Christianity, evangelical Protestantism has had a slight growth in numbers unlike other branches, but has still suffered a decline in percentage of the population. And on a slightly positive note, in Christianity there is a greater minority presence and greater diversity in religions overall. Alright, Michael, Stephen, so there's obviously been some major shifts in the religious landscape of America as this study is showing. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Sure. I'll go ahead and start off with what I think is a one hopeful statistic uh, that is not immediately apparent uh, from the, the top-line numbers. So while you said that 22% are unaffiliated, I'll, we'll call them nuns for short, um, 15% of those are, are nothing in particular. And more specifically, 7% of the, uh, of Seven percentage points of the 22, so there's 15 and 7. Seven percent say that they are not affiliated with anything in particular, but religion is still important. Mm. I see that as a group that is still reachable for the Christian community. So that's something that's hopeful to me. I'd also like for us to talk a little bit about um, 
why we think it is that people who are more educated, uh, higher income, have a higher uh, propensity to be unchurched. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting question for those of us. Well, I mean, so my first instinct is to start trying to identify the problem of what's causing this. And I hope that, you know, just the benefit of this podcast is that we're able to help ourselves and others, those that are listening, identify the problems of what's going on. Uh, but, I mean, the, you almost want to classify these people that are uh, the ones that you said the religion's important to them, but they're not doing anything about it. You might as well just call that unpracticing. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter right. really what your beliefs are. You're not doing anything about what your beliefs are. Um, and so, yeah, you said, like you said, I mean, something can be done about those. So, I mean, where do we go from here? Uh, well, I think part of answering that question is answering Michael's original question, which was, why is it that the wealthy and the educated are typically non-religious or not Christian? And um, that's well, a there's... yeah. You got the answer is that when you're blessed like that extent. I, I was even talking to my wife about this the other day. Like, what happens when somebody wins the lottery? Their life just tanks. Whenever we think you got it made, you got everything given to you. That's when you're most vulnerable, and you know Scripture tells us that that's when the devil comes uh, hardest for you. And um, when when you have nothing that you're having to pray about, there's no crisis in your life. That's when uh, you're you are more quickly to forget to thank God. You know, because we only go to God whenever we have things that we're asking for, rather than. Um, um, thanking him for things that he has given us. We're so quick to forget about the good things God has done to us after they've happened. Yeah, Michael, maybe you can help me. In one of the Malcolm Gladwell books, he talks about the effects of wealth on people. There's First, he gives the uh, dichotomy between those who have won the lottery, those become really rich, and those who become paraplegics, and how at first paraplegics their life seems horrible, and at first the lottery winners, their life seems great, but after a while their lives start to even out. There's not much of a difference in how they view the quality of their life. The other big statistic, or the other finding that he discusses, is that the um, tests that try to measure happiness often see that it is, in fact, better to have some wealth. The people who live in middle-class America are typically happier than people who are Uh, starving in Africa or something like that. But, he says, it starts to level out the richer you get. And in fact, when you get extremely rich, that it starts to tip downwards. And and I was going to say that this is a very common topic, especially for for today, because... um, Election issues. This this is a political topic that we're talking about. Is uh, what's the social uh, uh, atmosphere of America, and is it you know who's better off? Um, and this is, I think will probably be a, a topic that is brought up uh, a lot in our podcast. Um, and just the the whole idea of um, somebody's uh, social status. Um, how much money is too much money to have for one person? That will be, you know, a question that's hard to answer. Subjective, and how is happiness measured by, you know, um, you can't really relate uh, what your material possessions are to your happiness, and you know, people forget that a lot of times. And I, I think we need to dedicate an entire podcast to just that topic. 
Um, so, so on the topic of um, the rich and them see, not seeing problems in their lives, and specific, I, I'd have to familiarize myself with with what Gladwell was saying about this. But if I remember correctly, uh, the idea is that those who have a sudden good thing happen to them. Uh, they all of a sudden don't have uh, to take care of their problems as much, whereas uh, someone who has a sudden bad thing happen to them, they have this new reason to learn new skills and to uh, to become dependent on others, which in a way is exactly what the church does for us. Uh, so when you are self-sufficient financially, perhaps you don't see a need for community in such a way. There's another demographic of people that we also see low trends of church attendance, not just the rich and, and the well-educated, but also young people. And specifically, young people are uh, those who most typically are out on their own. They're experiencing uh, life by themselves for the first time. And perhaps more importantly, they don't have kids. They don't have someone who they need to uh, provide a moral upbringing for. And so to them, church isn't the first thing on their mind because they think that they figured out. Whereas a parent knows that they need to show their child what it means to live a good and moral life. Now, that's not the, of course, not the only reason for church attendance, but it certainly leads a lot of people to go there. Yeah, uh, I think that's really good. Uh, I'd really like to steer this conversation mm-hmm. just briefly on to the education. So I think we agree on... Uh, how youth and wealth affects uh, religi- religiosity. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to hear your thoughts on why the more educated are typically religiously unaffiliated. So, specific, okay, so specifically on the thought of education, I don't think we're shocking too many people when we say that academia is traditionally anti-religion. And if not anti-religion, it is, um, we might even say it's post-religion. That religion, uh, faith, spirituality is not something that is important on most university campuses. Now, and we'll, in fact, we'll even talk about this in a future podcast, but the three people on this podcast, the three Crouch Brothers, we are all Christian college graduates. So we are an exception to the rule that generally states that most universities are, to be quite frank, uh, godless places. Um, they're places where religion, if it is taught at all, is taught as foolishness, and most of the time it is just ignored. And it's a place where uh, many Christians go and lose their faith entirely. Although I do want to offer up one hopeful statistic. Um, Flavel Yakely, who we might quote a few times on this podcast, has said before that going to a, a Christian college is good and, you know, it usually points to people keeping their faith. But what is more important than going to a Christian college is going to any university and placing membership at a local congregation. Being active with your local church family is more important than the setting you find yourself in because you are plugging yourself into that family. And um, this really goes into the economical side of it, the uh, educational side of it, and when you make it to that level where you're, you are your own boss, and you can even place this sort of uh, categorization on somebody who has left home and now they're in college, they're calling the shots now. If you don't have anybody being a parental figure for you, 
you make your own decisions, and that's the crucial part. I think we all agree is when people are most often to fall away from when they were Christian to whatever life-forming decisions that they're making that is causing them to take on uh, or become part of this uh, demographic of people that have uh, become unpracticing Christians or uh, as far as becoming agnostic or atheist. Um, I think I think that's why it's so important that that figure that you got to join another congregation. You're putting yourself under the care of a, a shepherding group, and if you do that, you make yourself subject to somebody. Then you're going to be held accountable to someone. I mean, it's almost impossible for us as Christians to uh, fight uh, Satan and his uh, demons on our own. It's yeah. uh, can't do it by yourself. Um, we're going to steer the question or the discussion now to more specifically about the Churches of Christ, of which my brothers and I um, are all a part. Uh, so, regarding the Church of Christ, uh, I was interested to see in this Pew study that uh, how it compared to Christianity as a whole. In general, the Church of Christ are poorer and less educated than the rest of American Christianity. And if I can quickly interrupt, I think that that is probably a product that churches of Christ are most prevalent in the southern United States. And as a whole, the southern United States is more poor, less educated than other parts of the United States. So take take that for what you will. Okay. And then also on the flip side, our rate of divorce or living with a partner unmarried, which is obviously... Uh, look it up as a scriptural and uh, virtuous way of living, is moderately lower. We are also slightly younger, which is both surprising and promising for the fellowship. So, guys, what do y'all think? Well, first off, uh, the if you want to just, it's a negative connotation with it, but shacking up is, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know how long that terminology has been around, but the act of it is on the rise. Uh, for sure. Uh, I don't have the numbers for it, but the more people I come in contact with, it's common. People are even, I guess, uh, with the, the gay marriage uh, movement uh, going on, and people are uh, really just going against what marriage is and just say that I found someone I love, I'm going to spend my life with them, and I don't need to put God's signature on that to uh, make it a, a binding relationship, and that marriage is getting tossed out of the picture, and so that's probably why it's on the rise as a whole. Uh, but churches of Christ, obviously, we have a different standard that we live to. Uh, um, first of all, you're reminding me one of my favorite preachers uses the terminology "hook up, shack up, break up," because that is the inevitable trend that it always goes down. Uh, promiscuous living leads to irresponsible decision-making, which leads to heartbreak in the end. Um, The final point, even going back, though, before this war on marriage and and perhaps how churches of Christ in in their own small way have been fighting against that, I think that the the prevalence of divorce 50 years ago and how that expanded to, um, to break apart many households has has hurt a lot of uh, American culture where children are growing up without a healthy male and female role model uh, in their house and they're just following the trend that they know um, so it's not so surprising um, that that has has been the case now luckily within churches of Christ statistically 
Um, those numbers have uh, marriage rates have stayed high. Divorce rates have been lower than nationally uh, trending. And so our young people have a good example to follow there. Even though we all make mistakes, even though we all um, have our own sins to deal with, that's one where we have learned well what to do. Yeah, and uh, I guess to the counterpoint, people, uh, I've heard a lot of arguments saying that um, the divorce uh, is more likely to happen for people that don't uh, live with, or they don't cohabitate with somebody uh, so they can, you know, become accustomed to their living style, their arrangements. And, you know, if you want to apply that to the Church of Christ, I mean, first of all, the numbers we see are showing that we have a lower uh, count of divorce within our group of believers, and uh, or the Church, if you want to call it that. Um, and if you want to start pointing fingers at the people that are being uh, divorced in the Church, I mean, more than likely, they did not have their spiritual head put on their shoulders to begin with. And, I mean, there are plenty of cases out there where, you know, you had people that just couldn't get the marriage right. They made their mistakes. But, yeah. In our in our last few minutes, I, I wonder if we can offer some positive solutions uh, to those who might be listening. Um, let's say you meet someone who is a non who is an atheist, an agnostic, or perhaps just religiously unaffiliated, and religion, um, practicing their spiritual walk, is not important to them right now. In, in a few words, what is the advice we can offer to those who come in contact with those people every day? What can we say to them? How do we live our lives uh, in front of these people that need to know God? Uh, I would just say that the, the big thing, and touching on what we've already been talking about, is that we show them that spirituality does matter. And you show that through your own living, that it makes a difference in your life. If you look just like uh, everyone else, all your other co-workers, for instance, then it makes them not feel like it matters. And so living, uh, to be a little bit cliche, live, living radically is important. The uh, other part is, I think, working within the demographic that these people typically are, and that is evangelizing through uh, or something that appeals to the wealthy and the educated, and that should be our tactic. Right, and, and living radically, that uh, means you just got to be, be going above and beyond uh, what you know the norm is, and. Um, how can you do those things? And I, I married a, a woman who, uh, growing up, was not a member of the church. And uh, as we were dating, uh, she uh, uh, was baptized and uh, took on uh, Christ as her Lord and Savior. Um, but one of the things that we had to do was to establish that if you're not putting yourself in a good environment, if you're not going to church... And as much as possible, if you're not making uh, Jesus a total part of your life, then if you're not doing it, then you're doing something else with it. And more likely than not, it's not the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, that radical living, uh, making sure that you're putting yourself, uh, you can make this uh, an argument about church attendance uh, and how uh, much you need to be going to church. And as much as you can be there, uh, as your schedule allows, well, who's to say what your schedule allows you do. You make the choice of uh, what if you're going to be there or not. So, 
And I'll offer up one brief thought. I think when a Christian goes into work on Monday, the best the best light they can shine on the church is when someone asks you how your weekend was, what did you do? Tell them you were with your, your church family and speak about it in a positive way. Let them know that you love your church family and you love spending time with them. Well, that's all for today's show. We'd like to remind our listeners that you can give us your feedback at our blog at religionandstory.blogspot.com. And have a great 2016. Subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you in two weeks.